Then Mary said, hmm, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. In 2 Samuel 22, verses 2 and 3, And he said, The Lord is my rock, and my fortress, and my deliverer. Then God of my strength, sorry, the God of my strength, in whom I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. This day with God shares with us, if we stand in the great day of the Lord with Christ as our refuge, our high tower, we must put away all envy, all strife for the supremacy. We must utterly destroy the roots of these unholy things that they may not again spring up into life. We must place ourselves wholly on the side of the Lord. Have you had strife in your homes? You know, when siblings start to rival over something. There was a man that I know uh, that when he was a young boy, his, uh, they were eating at the dinner table. Dad was doing his normal thing. This was a number of years ago, and dad was just shoveling and eating. No conversation at the dinner table. And he and this young man that I know and his brother were quarreling all day long. And at the dinner table, they still quarreled, and dad said not a word. And then my friend, he threw his fork on the plate, and you know the sound that a metal fork makes on a porcelain plate. It clanged. No words were spoken, and the father reached across the table, grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, and dragged him across the table. And everything flew off the table. And he took him downstairs, and he beat him so bad that his mother came downstairs with gauze to make up and fix the wounds that his father had beaten him with. It's a sad day when we can't communicate. When strife enters the home, we have to do all we can to uproot that. Isn't that what she shares with us? Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in my Savior, in God my Savior. Soul, the breath of life, the vital force that animates and brings to life the body and shows itself in breathing, the seed of the feelings and desires and affections, a living being. My soul, she said, I'm a living soul. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. In Revelation 12, verse 11, we know this. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. But it seems to me that many people forget to read the rest of the verse. And they love not their lives unto death. What does that mean, they love not their lives unto death? Their testimony... I was in Jamaica last April, and we were presenting at the Camporee, the Inter-American Camporee, and there was 300 young people in this room, no air conditioning. 
it was 86 degrees and, and precipitation, and it was just a it was sticky mess in this room. We couldn't let any air come in because at the camporee in the room we were in, outside, down on the field, was the stage and platform and speakers. And we began to present to the young people, and we thought, we'll leave the windows open and the doors open and the air will come off in Montego Bay. We were like, this is wonderful, until they turned on the speakers and somebody began to speak, and it overpowered us. We had no microphones, we had no electronics, and we had to just speak with our voice, so we had to close the windows and the doors. And one of the presenters, my friend Daniel, he began to preach on this. And as we began to read this, it started to hit me that I only have a story if I don't have the blood. I don't overcome anything if it isn't for the blood. My story's just a story, a really good story. If you like stories, I love to tell stories, but it's just a story unless I have the blood of the Lamb. And then we can overcome. At what point there may be a time coming in my lifetime that I may have to stand that I do not love my life unto death. As we read through, it says, And they overcame them by the blood of the Lamb, the atoning blood, and by the word of their testimony, a word uttered by a living voice that embodies a conception or idea. And they loved to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly, not to love dearly, not their lives unto the death. And we prepare ourselves for that. Mind, character, and personality, it shares with us. It said, let the ministers through whom God is working. Is God working through you, the ministers? I see one hand. Come up to the conference with cast down nerve, growing in depression. And I tell you, they have an atmosphere about them like a thick blanket of fog covering a clear sky. We need to cherish faith. Let the lips utter, my soul magnifies the Lord. Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Ministry of Healing shares with us, do you feel that because you are a sinner, you cannot hope to receive a blessing from God? Remember that Christ came into the world to save sinners. We have nothing to recommend us to God. The plea that we may urge now and ever is our utterly helpless condition, which makes his redeeming power a necessity. Renouncing all self-dependence, we may look to the cross of Calvary and say, in my hand no price I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. John 3.16, coming from the Amplified Bible, shares, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son. So that whoever believes in, ready? Do you do this? Do you trust in? Do you cling to? Do you rely on? Him shall not perish, come to destruction or be lost, but have eternal everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send the Son into the world in order to judge 
to reject you, to condemn you, to pass sentence on you, the world, but that the world might find salvation and may be made safe and sound through him. Is that not good news? Last night, I was with a number of young people from around the world. They were from the Philippines. They were from Kenya. They were from England. It was 4 a.m. when she came. They were from New York to Florida to California to Washington State and all in between. And they came to hear the testimony of a young man's life that had changed because of God's word. There are people around the world that are struggling, but there are many like you who are hungry for God's word and ready to share your testimony at a moment's notice. Amen? In Acts of Apostles, it says, true sanctification comes through the working out of the principle of love. The life of him in whose heart Christ abides will reveal practical goodness. The character will be purified, elevated, ennobled, and glorified. Pure doctrine will blend with works of righteousness. Heavenly precepts will mingle with holy practices. I like that part. Pure doctrine will blend with works of righteousness. Many times we have people that want to share and they tell us about their doctrines. But there's no righteousness. There's no in right standing with the Father. They communicate words, but the words come out and they drop because they have no life. Let's turn to Luke 19. Are you okay with that? We're going to go to Luke. Luke 19, staying in the same book. Go to Luke 19. Amen. When you get there, Luke 19, verse 8, please. Starting there, then Zacchaeus stood. I'm pretty sure I was taller than Zacchaeus. And said to the Lord, look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house Because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I've always looked at this verse when Zacchaeus says what he says. Being unlearned as I am. And thought he had to say something to Jesus. (laughs) Was he always this way? Or did he just start when Jesus said, hey Zacchaeus we're going to your house. Did he say that then? I began to study, and what I found from Desire of Ages was before Zacchaeus had looked upon the face of Christ, he had begun the work that made him manifest as a true penitent. Oh, that brought me such good joy because my whole life that I'd read that, I didn't know this. He He had yielded to the conviction of the Holy Spirit and had begun to carry out the teaching of the words written in ancient Israel as for ourselves. But no sooner did Zacchaeus yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit than he cast aside every practice contrary to integrity. Zacchaeus was not a priest. 
He was a man of business. How many men are in this room of business today? There's two of you. Okay. The word says no repentance is genuine that does not work reformation. Reformation, transformation. Those are words that I absolutely love to be transformed. It goes on to say in God's love for man in steps to Christ, none but the Son of God could accomplish our redemption, not one of us. For only he who was in the bosom of the Father could Father could declare him. Only he who knew the height and depth of the love of God could make it manifest. Nothing less than the infinite sacrifice made by Christ in behalf of fallen man could express the Father's love to lost humanity. I've had the hardest time my entire life understanding a Father's love. When I was five, my parents split up. I didn't see my father, and just recently, in the last couple of months, I asked my mom. I said, Mom, can you tell me the time of year and the date that you and mom split up? You see, holidays for me, as I found out, if I could be transparent and vulnerable with you, is that okay? Holidays are the hardest for me, and I never understood why. And so when I asked my mom... She said it was September of 1970 that they split up. You see, my dad and I, the first five years of my life, we were inseparable. My dad, being an entertainer and sang like Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra, would play gigs in the evening, but during the day, we were best pals. And then my brother, my little brother, was just a number of months old, and they split up. And from that time forward, my holidays were never the same. And I could never put my finger on it. You see, things happen to us. And sometimes we just put it in a little box in the back corner of our minds. And every now and then there's things that trigger those thoughts and those feelings and those emotions. And uh, for me, that father's love came by reading in John 12, 13, 14, and 15 when Jesus talks so much about his communication with the father. Steps to Christ, chapter 5, consecration. There are those who profess to serve God while they rely upon their own efforts. Does anybody feel like I do when I read that? And they rely on their own efforts to obey his law, to form a right character and secure salvation. Their hearts are not moved by any deep sense of the love of Christ, but they seek to perform the duties of the Christian life as that which God requires of them in order to gain heaven. Such religion is worth nothing. When Christ dwells in the heart, the soul will be so filled with his love, with the joy of communion with him that it will cleave to him. And in the contemplation of him, self will be forgotten. Amen. Love to Christ will be the spring of action. Those who feel the constraining love of God do not ask how little may be given to meet the requirements of God. They do not ask for the lowest standard, but aim at perfect conformity to the will of their Redeemer, my Savior, our 
Savior. Let's go to Romans 12. Turn your Bibles to Romans 12, verse 1, please. When you get there, say, that's right. Isn't God's word always right? Is God's word ever wrong? Amen. Romans 12, verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is in your reasonable Service. Well, I chose to look it up in the Amplified. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you in view of all the mercies of God. Is it not the pastor's position or the pastor's job description to beg of you with all the mercies of God for you to change, to choose Jesus weekly? to educate, communicate, to talk about community, to talk about camaraderie, to talk about transformation, to talk about communication, conformity, to fall in love with his Savior? Is that not his job? Oh, it's not. Of course it is. It is his job. He does it every week. Here in Colfax and Colfax here. And then the meetings he has with you during the week and visits with you, and prays with you, and prays for you, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Does your Bible uh, say holy Bible on it? Why is it we always just call it a Bible? I need to go get my holy Bible. We've kind of called the Bible slang now. This is holy, but we've stopped calling it holy. At least that's what I've seen with a lot of people. They're not living holy, but they'll read their Bible. Patriarchs and prophets shares with us every morning and evening a lamb of a year old was burned upon the altar with its appropriate meat offering, thus symbolizing the daily consecration of the nation to Jehovah and their constant dependence upon the atoning blood of Christ. God expressly directed that every offering presented for the service of the sanctuary would be Without blemish, do we come to God with blemishes? The priests were to examine all animals brought as a sacrifice and were to reject every one in which a defect was discovered. Only an offering without blemish could be a symbol of his perfect purity who was to offer himself as a lamb without blemish and without spot. The Apostle Paul points to these sacrifices and in, as an illustration of what the followers of Christ are to become. We are to give ourselves to the service of God. And we should seek to make the offering as nearly as perfect as possible. Do we 
get lazy on our offerings, our sacrifices to the Lord. Those who love him with all the heart will desire to give him the best service of the life. And they will be constantly seeking to bring every power of their being into harmony with the laws that will promote their ability to do his will. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who lives within you, whom you have received as a gift from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price, purchased with a preciousness, and paid for, made his own. So then honor God. And bring glory to him in your bodies. Christ's object lessons shares with us that all men have been bought with this infinite price. By pouring the whole treasury of heaven into this world. By giving us in Christ all heaven. God has purchased the will, the affections, the mind the soul of every human being, whether believers or unbelievers, all men are the Lord's property. Sometimes we look at, well, it'd probably be better for them if they were a Seventh-day Adventist. That's good they go on Sunday, but it'd be better for a Seventh-day Adventist church. Or I can't wait for them to find the truth. Have you caught yourself saying those things? I have. And then my heart is arrested. Whether believers or unbelievers, all men are the Lord's property. Messages to young people. Young people. Where are the young people in the church today? Show me your hands. Young people. There's a few. If you're younger than me, you're a young person. I'm, 50, I'm 59. If you're younger than me, then you're a young person. If you're older than me, I'm a young person. If you have a book of messages to young people, I like to say it like this. Scratch out young people or youth and put your name because she was asked to write about you. Every time it says messages to young people or to the youth, that is to you. And when you personalize what she was asked to write, it changes the perception of your reality you're living in at that very moment. He's talking to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let none deceive themselves with the belief that God will pardon and bless them while they are trampling upon one. Of his requirements. The willful commission of a known sin silences the witnessing voice of the Spirit and separates the soul from God. Whatever may be the ecstasies of religious feeling, Jesus cannot abide in the heart that disregards the divine law. God will honor those only who honor him. Do you have a Bible or do you have a holy 
Bible. If we indulge in anger, lust, covetousness, hatred, selfishness, or any other sin, we become servants of sin. No man can serve two masters. If we serve sin, we cannot serve Christ. Oh, it may look like it. And you might be a con artist like me. Like the young man when I went to the hospital. I was telling this story to you the first time. Do you remember? My appendix were about to burst. And I got brought to the hospital. And I was put in a wheelchair. And my friend was wheeling me into the emergency. And off to the side, I noticed the man standing there with a cigarette in his hand, a phone, cigarette in his mouth, phone, and holding on to his IV. And he was walking back and forth and back and forth very fast. And I thought to myself within all my pain, boy, I hope I don't get into the room with that guy. Well, sure enough, through a series of events, I was placed in the same room as that guy. That guy was a con artist and a drug addict. And so a pastor had come in to pray for me. And there was a curtain right here. And I'm laying in the bed here. A friend of mine is sitting at the foot of my bed. I've had no medication yet. I'm still in pain. And there's a curtain and his bed is right next to me on the other side of the curtain. There was two other beds in that room and nobody else was in there but me and him. And he was first. And when we got in there, we noticed that the nurse was so frustrated with him because he knew how to manipulate the system to get things he could be given to. Being a drug addict and a con artist, he talked her into a number of things. And I just saw her face as she walked in front of me. She's like, oh, just frustrated. And the pastor friend of mine came in and we talked and he prayed for me. And when he finished praying, we had a little bit of small talk afterwards, and he left. And the young man in the bed, sitting in that bed next to me with the curtain, yells to me like he was down the hall. He said, hey! I looked at my friend, and, yeah? And he yells back at me, and he says, was that like a pastor or something? And I was like, yeah! My friends look at me like, I don't know what to do. He's studying to become a a Bible-believing Christian in the Seventh-day Adventist church. So he's waiting for me to respond. And he, he goes, wow. His voice changed, dropped down to a low key. And he said, I grew up a Seventh-day Adventist. Because he asked us what church we went to. And so I told him, wow. We sat there and looked at each other. And he told me, I got brought to my grandparents' house because my parents were addicted to drugs and my grandparents raised me. My friend and I are looking at each other with eyes this big. It was wonderful. He says to us, could you pray for me? I'm addicted to drugs. I can't see my son and I don't have this or that. And we said we'd be happy to. And so I prayed for him, still with no medication. God was working miracles in a hospital. And as soon as I said amen, the nurse came in and said, okay, that's it. You're getting what you want. Put him in a wheelchair. And as they wheeled him in front of us, he said, wait, 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 stop, stop, stop. I need to talk to my friends. And he reached across the bed and he shook my hand. And he shook my friend that was sitting at the foot of my bed. 
God found a way to meet a man in the hospital, drug addict, con artist, and out the door he went. Probably never see that guy again. Doesn't matter. I don't need to see him again. God knows his story. I pray it becomes a testimony. Amen? Here is where Christ's help is needed. Human weakness becomes united to divine strength and faith exclaims. If we could develop a character which God can accept, we must form correct habits in our religious life. Daily prayer is as essential to growth in grace and even to spiritual life itself as is temporal food to physical well-being. We should accustom ourselves to often lift the thoughts to God in prayer. If the mind wanders, we must bring it back by persevering effort. Habit will finally make it easy. Not the other habits of cherished indulgences and ethical addictions, which is a sermon title that I have. Maybe someday I'll share that with you. If the mind wanders, we must bring it back. By persevering effort, habit will finally make it easy. We cannot for one moment separate ourselves from Christ with safety. We may have his presence to attend us at every step, but only by observing the conditions which he has himself laid down. Consecration with earnest desire, they yield all and manifest an interest proportionate to the value of the object which they seek. A profession of Christ without this deep love is mere talk, dry formality, and heavy drudgery. John 6, 47 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the one who believes has Eternal life. Isn't that what happened to Jairus by name when he went to Jesus? Hey, um, so I got this situation and my father. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, this is, this is what Jairus did. He fell at the feet of Jesus and pleaded with him. My daughter is sick unto death. Can you come to my house? Just believe. The Amplified says, He who believes in me, who adheres to, trusts in, relies on. Do you adhere to your parents, young people? Do you trust them? Do you rely on them? And every young person would say, Yes, absolutely. I need an extra 20. Pop, can you hook me up? Can you help me? I need a ride. I need a new set of clothes. I got a of course they do, but as adults, have we fallen into the trap of leaning on our own understanding? And has faith in me, has now possesses eternal life. Desire of Ages says, the blessings of salvation are for every soul. Nothing but his own choice can prevent any man from becoming a partaker of the promise in Christ by the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man, any woman, be who? 
Beware. In Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I rely on this verse more today than the day I became a Bible-believing Christian of the Seventh-day Adventist church. My character didn't change just because I went under and came back out. I have flaws upon flaws, oh my word, threads running everywhere in everything I wore, everything I said, how I talked, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth. Mm -hmm. Prophets and kings shares, it is like a river constantly flowing. And as it advances, becoming deeper and wider until its life-giving waters are spread over all the earth. My wife and I lived for 13 years in Washington State on the west side. We lived in the almost the furthest northwest corner of Washington State. Has anybody ever heard of Bellingham? Uh, Anacortes, Gig Harbor, Ferndale. Anybody heard of Ferntucky before? Well, that's where we lived, and there is lush, it is green, and there are mountains 10,000 feet tall we could see from our house. Took us an hour to drive there and four stop signs. We didn't even have to go on a single freeway. It was wonderful. And as the changes began to take place in my life, the stream that goes singing on in its way leaves behind its gift of verdure. And fruitfulness, the lush greenness of flourishing vegetation. The grass on its banks is a fresher green. The trees have a richer flourishing of vegetation. The flowers are more abundant. The life begins to change because of what he did for us. Who is he? He's my savior. He's our Savior, is he not? Luke 1, 46, 47, Miss Mary said, my soul, my living soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Your soul, your breath of life, the vital force that animates and brings to life the body and shows yourself breathing. Your feelings, your desires, your affections. You are a living being. You are a living soul. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Love with all your heart. My God, my Savior. My Savior, our Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Lord, may the expressions and tones and body language be removed from me, but may your word remain in the hearts of all that are here and have listened to this message today, that they would, one, be changed, to take what they've heard and share and not keep it to themselves, not put it under a bushel, but they would go invest in people. And share what they've heard from you, not from me, but from your word in the spirit of prophecy. We thank you now, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.
like to stand. We're going to do number 526. 526. <clears throat> i uh-huh. 